1: Well, hello there and welcome to the show. I'd like to give a quick shout out to my sponsors, including Alta Bank, Landmark Risk Management and Insurance, as well as Monticello College. And I want to thank you for being a part of our audience. Look, I I understand you only have a finite amount of time in any given day. There are innumerable voices out there. And and frankly, there are a lot of great things that, uh, that you could and should be accessing and building your worldview with. So for whatever reason whether it was a friend's recommendation, just morbid curiosity, whatever led you to this program, I want to thank you for giving it a chance. You know, if you turn your back in disgust, that's okay. You gave it a chance and it just, it wasn't for you. That's uh, that's part of something you'll get as you listen to me. Uh, You'll understand the the message that I deliver here. um, I don't really feel like this is my message. You know, it's, it's not like, it's not like I have cornered the market of truth. I haven't but i have been able to i've been able to build up a uh, a a collection of resources writers and commentators and friends and people who who have have been very self-aware and willing to apply themselves in finding the facts and so i share that information each and every day here uh, i'll tell you the the secret if you really if you really want to do some fun reading and i know reading is so you know 20th century or earlier but if you want to do some good reading, check out the show notes. You'll find them at the thebryanhideshow.com. Every day that I do the show, I compile my show notes with the links to the various articles that I'm discussing, as well as, you know, some personal annotations or just a few thoughts about uh, why that may be a subject worth looking into. It's totally up to you. You know you don't have to agree or anything. All I'm trying to do is help these voices, which I believe are speaking truth to the best of their ability to be heard. And if you're giving that a chance, if you're a person who is looking for truth, um, well, first of all, <laughs> can we be honest? It's getting frustrating. I mean right to to find something that is narrative free. In other words, it isn't isn't blatantly pushing some kind of an agenda in your face. It is really, really tough. I have unplugged almost entirely from uh, mainstream news. Actually, did this about four years ago, and and I, I stand by that decision. Now, this doesn't mean I shun it. You know, I, I turn the other way. I'll go sit on your front step if you're watching television and I, you know, come to visit. Well, I can't come in while well, the TV's on. I'm not that. I'm not that hardcore. But I just don't rely on MSM sources. For my news. Now, sometimes I like to see what they're saying just out of morbid curiosity. And when I when I have pulled in a couple of different stories the last couple of days, I've just absolutely been shocked. I, I've never seen, to me, what to me looks like such blatant uniform propaganda. It's like everybody, you know, these are the talking points. This is what we agreed on, this is, this is the story that you're to tell. This is how to instruct people to feel. And and I don't say this lightly. It's not just because, well, you disagree with their content. I think there is a very deliberate shading of the words that are used, the emotions they're trying to evoke. And it's in keeping with, you know, how mass media has operated for the better part of the last century. I mean, if if you are still a stranger to Edward Bernays, if you have never cracked the book, Propaganda, you are missing out on something that uh, that could really help you understand how easy it is to manipulate public opinion. And it's not all political, right? Madison Avenue. I don't know, you know, some people um really didn't care for the, the um drama, uh, mad men that AMC was doing here a few years ago. But that uh, there were there was some really excellent insights into How to craft a message, how to sell this to the public, how to shift public awareness in a direction of your choosing. So this is not, you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy like they're reading your thoughts. It's more like acknowledging there are people who have studied very hard and applied themselves at every turn to learn how to better manipulate people, how to better shift public opinion. And if you just if you were just to pull up Edward Bernays um, quotes, just look for a couple of quotes. I promise you would get a feel for, oh, yeah, he's talking about stuff that's regularly done in our day. Now, of course, the crackdown in the last few days and weeks, the crackdown in the last two and a half weeks actually has been remarkable. The intensity of the propaganda coming from uh, the approved, you know, respectable sources that that uh, that represent the viewpoint that the powers that be want us to to believe or want us to think, um, you know, there is no loyalty to truth. There's a lot of loyalty to sensationalism. They're good at generating audiences, but truth takes a pretty good back seat. I don't think it would be. An exaggeration to say that right now, people who are serious about looking for truth, what can I turn? What sources can I look at that will give me a better understanding of the world without trying to steer me in the direction of someone's agenda? I can promise you this. If you're looking for that, you will have to work at finding it. You're going to have to go out there and do your own kind of research, your own vetting of sources. You're going to have to to prove it and own your point of view. Because we are in a famine of sorts. What we're living in, I guess, if, if I could put it this way, we live in a time of truth deficiency. And I want to liken this to, you know, nutritional deficiency. Because we've long understood that a deficiency in certain nutrients and vitamins can have serious consequences on our health. Now, fortunately, mankind discovered over time that formerly common diseases can be corrected simply by getting enough of the right vitamins. So, uh, things like cir- citrus fruits or sunlight or fresh vegetables have made things like scurvy and rickets and uh, pellagra virtually unknown in modern society. Now, even so, people who give little thought to what they consume. ...tend to encounter unexpected health consequences, more often than those whose diets reflect a very conscientious effort to eat wisely. And you can see a similar dynamic at work in the effects of what we prefer to consume intellectually. For example, how many of us know individuals who spend an inordinate amount of time obsessing over whatever is leading the current media news cycle? So it could be outrage over uh, former President Trump or current President Biden... It could be the latest so-called government shutdown, some other event dominating the headlines. We all know people who live their state, their lives in a constant state of indignation. Now, here's the thing, what they're feeling may be real. But they're allowing themselves to become emotionally invested in things that in great likelihood have little to no tangible effect on their lives. In other words, they're choosing to care about it. Because they choose to, not because it's unavoidable and would just be right there in their face. Rather than engaging in the kind of personal actions that could have measurable impact on the world around them, they turn into passive complainers who end up just regurgitating whatever media content they've been consuming. So I guess if you think of it this way, a steady diet of mass media sound bites is never going to be balanced enough to provide us with the kind of mental and spiritual nourishment that allows us to be problem solvers. As a result, people are suffering. A lot of people are suffering from a form of truth deficiency. Now, that's not suggesting that they lack character or that they're stupid. It's just acknowledging that few people today are in the habit of seeking truth. And that's somewhat understandable when you consider the amount of effort that, and the commitment that is required to obtain truth. Most people just aren't prepared to endure the fatigue of developing their understanding or learning how to think clearly and independently. Why should they? Right? Isn't it easier to just take our cues in the form of simplified slogans from highly paid media figures who sell it to us? When they tell us what or whom to fear, what to regard as important, what our attitude should be. They're not doing it to help us become informed, active citizens. They're spoon feeding us a form of intellectual gruel, flavored with hype, sensationalism, titillation, maybe garnished with a little splash of blood. But the long term effects of consuming this on a day to day basis make us higher, uh, more highly susceptible to fear, anger and guilt. And those kind of emotions are what make us significantly easier to manipulate and to lead along. I don't know if you've had the sense of this lately, but there there are people very actively trying to pull those levers to, to manipulate your fears, to make you angry, to try to, uh, you know, to generate some kind of bloodlust in your heart and in your mind. I hope I'm not one of those people. I really do. I had a friend gently remind me today that uh, some of the stuff I'm covering here really is heavy, and it is. I mean, I trust you enough. I love you enough as your friend. I'm willing to speak the truth even when the truth is hard. At the same time, I don't want to uh, harsh your buzz there, dude. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian
1: Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Oh, my goodness. I, I know, I'm right in the middle of, well, there's a very serious thing about, you know, you should be very careful about vetting the truth, how to live in times of truth deficiency. It's a serious subject, and it's a serious subject because we live in serious times. But I, I got to tell you, I, I, during the break... I checked my email and uh, (laughs) this is this is the latest Babylon B news headline. Joe Biden wins Nobel Prize for his incredible first day as president. (laughs) Oh, there's uh, I'm grateful for satire. And and frankly, I mean, I hope nobody is offended that uh, somebody's making fun of the president. That used to be a time honored American tradition. I'm glad we're we're back to where we can do it again, and I'm, I'm back. I'm happy that there's a a president that uh, makes for some really really great satire. What was the other one I saw? Oh yes, this one. Uh, this is uh, Biden uh, suspected of wearing earpiece after he screams, "There's a man speaking inside my head." If you haven't seen the video just yet of him walking past the Marine Guard and and as he walks past, Biden says aloud, salute Marines. <laughs> and it's I don't know, man. I mean, maybe maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe he was just thinking it and it came out. But it just kind of raises the possibility that uh, perhaps someone is speaking into his ear. Would this matter? I don't know. For some people, it would. Let's get back to the idea of how to live in times of truth deficiency. Now I'm using this as an example of truth deficiency, uh, in in the sense that I say this with with the deepest respect, you know, for for those who are are dealing with loved ones who uh, who are going through dementia or or other, uh, you know, cognitive decline. It's astonishing to me that uh, so many people within the press and within the Washington establishment are willing to pretend that something isn't seriously wrong. Um, with joe biden and i i don't mean that as any kind of a reflection on his character i mean they're they're trying to explain things like oh it's it well you know actually a four-year-old boy with a stutter helped the president on his speech and we're supposed to believe this is like the king's speech or something here uh you know for his inaugural address uh because the president has has a stuttering problem look you can go back over about 47 years of news footage and and clips of uh, president biden back when he was senator biden yeah, he doesn't stutter. And, and I'm not saying any of this to, to add to his anguish or his family's anguish. Uh, but the man is clearly in a state of decline. And and it's it's just unreal that uh, the press pretends that there's nothing to this. I mean, and, you know, by, by pointing this out, I'm not suggesting there, therefore he should be taken out and Donald Trump reinstalled. I'm just saying that uh, there's a very different standard at work here and what the press is telling people is the truth, Mm, well, I think the people need to to, uh, definitely be careful. Don't take it at face value. Now, if you're serious about seeing the world as it really is, the first thing you know is you have to take ownership of the need to seek after truth at an individual level. And that can be tough for a couple of different reasons. Researching, studying, vetting information requires a serious investment of time. That's a luxury few of us enjoy. Our leisure time, by which I refer to the discretionary time we have outside of providing for our needs, should encompass more than just simply play or rest. People who are making a difference at any level are the people who are using their leisure time to better themselves and better their understanding. And by the way, this could include when bettering yourself could include, you know, learning a skill. It could include exercise. It can include a lot of different things. But learning especially learning things that are above your, your head. That's important. And especially if you want to be, you know, a thinking, productive, upright person who who doesn't wait for cues from someone else on, well, this is what you should think. So here are a few, a few suggestions about how to overcome truth deficiency and how to keep it at bay. I recommend that if you must watch the mass media, pay close attention to stories or issues that elicit strong emotional responses. If you see a headline or you see video or something and you think, whoa, wow, that really hit me right in the feels, it's probably not by accident. So knowing how to write the ask question, how to ask the right questions, rather, is of greater value than simply knowing the right answer. And you got to get in the habit of asking yourself, does this story genuinely affect my life or... Am I giving someone else power over my emotions? Now, you don't have to be paranoid. You don't have to be reading every word like, ah, they're trying to manipulate me with that particular word. You just have to be aware that sometimes, uh, and, and writers are very, very good at this, people will play to your emotions. And it's a marvelous and proven way to sway people and to manipulate them. Something else you may want to consider, too, is to consider exactly who stands to benefit from the way that a particular story is being presented. You'll hear the words, qui bono, who benefits? That's a question you should be willing to ask any time you're sizing up a particular situation or a story. Keeping in mind that most of what you know is what was told to you by someone else, but you can ask yourself... Who's benefiting from the way that this story is being told? Is it is it really one side or is it telling, you know, in a way that both sides, you know, come out fairly evenly represented? You may even want to ask yourself, is the person telling me this information paying a price for speaking truth? Typically, the kinds of sources that can be trusted are the ones who have skin in the game and those who are willing to suffer in order to speak the truth. People who have nothing at stake people who seem to be immune to the consequences of their words. Those are the ones you got to watch because they are far more likely to engage in deception. And a good rule of thumb as to what is, whether the source is more concerned about gaining the approval of others or more concerned with speaking the truth, even if it's unpopular to do so. I have a suspicion we're probably going to be learning a lot about who has that backbone and who doesn't. And I'm, Man, I'm not going to make this statement. I know I do. I don't know. I'd like to think I do. But uh, if you have, if you never stood against a crowd before, it is, that's a very uncomfortable feeling. And today's crowds are uh, getting pretty violent. But you're going to hear a lot of different voices out there clamoring for your attention. You're going to hear a lot of people saying, hey, you know, this is this is the way it's got to be. Ask yourself as you're listening to that message, are they more concerned about getting the approval of others? Are they more concerned with speaking the truth, even if it's going to make them unpopular or unliked? This is where we this is where we start to really see who is serious about getting after the truth, because truth can be uncomfortable. Disinformation and fake news are the new normal. They have been for quite some time. But I mean, it's the. There's not even a pretense. There's no one even bothering to pretend that. Oh yes, we're still fair and and balanced. I mean, they mass media is. Uh, look at the uniform the uniformity in the writing. Look at the words and phrases to which they all have to uh, to obey. It's it's not just a happy coincidence of. Oh well, you know they, they. They. It's like somebody sends out a memo. I don't know, but the uniformity is is really telling. There's very little independent thought within that sphere. Individuals who speak unpopular truths, by the way, are going to be treated with hostility and distrust. So if you see somebody being shouted down, it may be in your interest to ask, well, what exactly were they saying? And it's also good to ask questions like, how much do I really know about uh, a particular person or issue that wasn't told to me by someone else? And if the answer is very little, then be careful about hanging your hat on it. Now, as much as I want to believe everybody prizes truth, I know that not everybody does. But if you're one of those individuals who really wants to be better capable of recognizing the truth, defending the truth, sharing it freely, this is something that you're going to have to uh, commit to probably sooner than later. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We will be back. Just the other side of these messages.
0: This is the Brian Hyde show. This is The Brian
1: Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Listen, if you are a small business owner, you probably have learned a thing or two about uh, having commercial insurance, right, for your business? You ever get the sense you have some unanswered questions, like maybe there's there are a few things you don't clearly understand, but you wish that there was someone you could turn to who could answer those questions? All right, this is the name I want you to remember, Landmark Risk Management and Insurance. It's my friend Steve Burgess. His uh, office is located in St. George, Utah, but I think you will find that uh, Steve has the answers that can put you in the, can, can take you in the right direction. All you need to do to contact him is go to my show notes at the These are the show notes for January 22nd, 2021. Look down there at the bottom of the show notes. you'll find the sponsors and thank you to each of them for sponsoring this program. All right. So I just, it's so funny. Today, um, I, I was producing uh, my friend Joe Carey's radio show uh, just prior to my show. And uh, Joe was talking about a book that he had been reading by uh, an author that he had just become acquainted with uh, by the name of Jefferson Shoop, And he asked me, Brian, do you ever hear of Jefferson Shoop And I was like, OK, strangely enough, Jefferson Shoup's name popped into my consciousness this morning. Um, I think I got an email, maybe it was yesterday, from the Foundation for Economic Education. And there was this excellent article about, uh, yes, it's time to unite, but not in the way that you think. And I look at the author, and by gosh, that is Jefferson Shoup. And after reading through his article, I I found this to be really productive, I mean, look, I, I'm seeing varying degrees in people of uh, discouragement. Some cases it's, it's getting close to despair. Those are the people who are really, really deeply politically engaged. Um, I think they're, they're really struggling to, to deal with the stress of what they see playing out. All of us feel stress and all of us feel a sense of who we're, we're in a really awkward and, and kind of ugly spot right now, as far as uh, our nation's history. And the calls to unite that we are hearing from, you know, the the power centers don't really have a sincere ring of, come on, let's put aside our differences and come together. It's more like, come bend the knee, say the words, (laughs) you know, take the oath, whatever it is, recant whatever you said before, and uh, don't ever disobey. That's what it feels like. It's, you know, it's, um, I can't remember who it was. Time to heal. I think it was Jim Quinn. He spelled heel H E E L. But but you get the picture. The the calls to unity are more of a call to, you know, switch your mind to our control. That way we'll have unity of mind and you know nobody's gonna act out. Listen to what Jefferson Schupe has to say about discovering the right way to reunite. He says campaign signs fill the dumpsters, ballots are everywhere, TV stations are dusting off their non-political commercials again. The election's over. And it looks like the other guys won. Crap. Politicians and celebrities, you have been saying maddening things, completely mischaracterizing you, and you've just about had it. Even more insulting, the victor is now calling out to you. It is time to unite and move forward together. I love the analogy he uses. He says, it feels like the end of the empire strikes back. You've lost a battle of red and blue lightsabers and now find yourself trapped at the end of a walkway suspended in the air your opponent reaches out, inviting you to join the dark side. (laughs) You know that an undivided nation is important, but to join forces with a side that seems to oppose everything you believe? No thanks. You'd rather pull a Luke Skywalker and base jump off this antenna thing without a parachute. Now Jefferson Shoup says you're, you're right not to embrace an ideology that you think is harmful, but that doesn't mean the nation has to remain so fractured. You see, we've allowed ourselves to be sorted in all the wrong ways by race and wealth. For example, our political division has reached an unhealthy level. Now, we've forgotten the ways we can come together where you advance your values. Not abandon them. And I think there are probably most people, most people within the sound of my voice are going to be old enough to remember a time when that was the norm. You didn't have to tiptoe. You didn't have to worry about, gee, you know, am I going to am I going to offend somebody just by, you know, Using a normal pronoun. So, yeah, the opportunity is there for people to come together. Ways that are empowering and and satisfying, says Jefferson Shoup, even if uh, nobody you voted for ended up in office, we just need to rediscover the right way to unite. Now, he has three suggestions here. And I think they are they are valid suggestions. They're they're workable. They're within your power. The first one is to think very local. We get caught up in the national races. It's easy to see why national news and opinion shows have the largest budgets and presidential elections make for a compelling story. But the federal races are also the ones where you have the least influence. So he says, find find yourself feeling frustrated and powerless, left to grumble at the headlines on your social media feed. How about we focus closer to home? For a moment, don't worry about uniting with the president or your governor. Zoom into your county and then your city all the way to the neighbors on your street and your own friends and family, especially the ones that you're pretty sure voted differently than you did. Can you unite with a few of them? Now, maybe you can. And why would you do this, you ask? Well, it's not it's not simply to work on your personal relationships, as important as that is. And it's not to make it easier for your political opponents to get things done that you don't like. On the contrary, Uniting the right way enables you to make real progress toward your political goals, too, starting with where you have the most influence. So you should feel a little empowered already, having just changed the game. It's individual to individual now instead of you versus half the nation. Step two, he says, think small. So you're standing next to your brother-in-law at your nephew's birthday party. One of you is firmly on the right. The other is immovable on the left. What could there be to unite on? Well, here's the secret be unified isn't to see eye to eye on everything have you ever been married your goal right now isn't to both end up on the same side of the aisle or to convince each other of anything really it's to spend a little time digging through issues and positions and philosophies to find the veins and nuggets of agreement that are already there you have a headlamp and a pickaxe you're looking for gold now you might start with immigration and the border chances are you and your brother-in-law aren't in full agreement here and that's fine Use that pickaxe of yours and break it down into smaller pieces. Take a look at the idea of a border wall, a possible path to citizenship for those here illegally, and national security considerations. Disagree on all these too? Well, break them up even further to look for those nuggets. When you find a chunk of policy where you disagree and can't see how to break it down further, no problem. Don't feel like you failed if you haven't convinced him to see it your way, and don't feel pressure to rethink your worldview to align with his. Resist the temptation to try to change each other right now. Ding, 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 ding. That should be underlined. Instead, set it aside into a metaphorical bin labeled maybe later and move on. Not because you're afraid of conflict, but because arguing about it hurts what you're trying to do at the moment. Sometimes you can all come together. Sometimes all you can come together on is your overarching goal that you want people to be safe or happy or have a chance. This is a nugget, too. And he advises, don't give up. Keep looking for the points where you already agree. However small, the bits add up and it will be worth it. Okay, third and final step, think long term. Now that you have a growing pile of golden agreement nuggets, he says, I totally trademark this. I should totally trademark this. He says, what's it good for? Did we just gather it just to know it's there? Well, yes, at first anyway. He says, you've done the work to identify some of the ways you can stand together. And I'd say you can check off the box that you've answered the call to unite. You've come together with someone politically different than you. And you've done it while holding on to all of your principles. So even if nothing else happens, both of you have learned something by going through the process. And it feels right. Soon enough, though, you'll start to see other benefits. When he's talking with his like-minded friend about the crazy people on your side of the aisle, he'll thoughtfully pause and tell them that actually you have a reasonable position even if he doesn't agree with you. Occasionally, you'll do the same for him. And here's where it gets really interesting. You'll be thinking about something political and get an idea, not something the two of you could support. Or something the two of you could support, rather. And you join forces and do something. Not like Luke joining the dark side, but more like Thor and Loki. They're mostly enemies, but every couple of Marvel movies, they find themselves working toward the same goal together. The foe didn't see it coming. It's beautiful. Now, he says, we're not talking about a compromise here where you give something up to get something in return. What you're doing is having your eyes open enough to see the things that you already agree on, recognizing that you might as well combine your efforts on that one thing and increase your chances of success. Imagine you want to go to Virginia and your neighbor is set on visiting North Carolina well, if you're starting your road trip in California, your route is the same for most of the way. You might as well share the cost for the stretch that you can, and then part ways when you must. There's more to this article, but we'll have to come back to it here in a few moments. I would encourage you, read the rest of it for yourself. Go to the thebrianheidshow.com, look for the show notes. You'll find this, uh, this amazing article by Jefferson Shoup. Yes, it's time to unite, but not in the way that you think. Okay, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Stay with us.
0: This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
1: Welcome back to the show. This is the place where we revel in wrong think, which if you've stuck around this long, you probably are beginning to understand it's not nearly as subversive as it may sound at first blush. Although I, I have to say, man, I, I have never seen such a, such a concerted effort um, on the part of, uh, I'm just going to call it, authoritarian-minded uh, people to just lock things down. this is true, you know, from the COVID responses to the election, to the aftermath, uh, the, the folks who are of a controlling nature, who they are going for broke. And it brings us to an interesting place in terms of, you know, I asked at the beginning of the show here today, uh, or at least the beginning of this, this hour, how committed are you to, you know, the truth? And I'm going to take it one step further. How committed are you to, your version of you know what is truth what is freedom what is you know a good life what is justice i don't know some of the questions human humanity has you know talked about and continues to discuss and struggle with and wrestle with um you know through the ages how serious are you about being uh, able to live life on your own terms i think a lot of people prefer the passive approach and i'm not i'm not passing judgment on them it's a lot easier to be an employee than it is to be an owner, to, to own your own life and to be responsible. It's tough. That security of, well, you know, I'll just go to work for a corporation or I'll work for somebody else and, you know, they'll pay me and they, they take care of the hard decisions and that's fine. But there are also some great opportunities for people who want to live freely And something that I'm seeing more of, maybe you're starting to see this too, um, people are fleeing those areas where the, the lockdowns were really intense and punitive. Here's an article from Jeffrey Tucker. This was published on the American Institute for Economic Research. He says, for nearly a year, governments have been instructing people to stay put. Don't leave your home unless you have to. Forget about organizing or attending events. Weddings and funerals are too great a risk for spreading disease and on and on it goes. But he says not everywhere is this the case. Many states are open. Some are still shut. Many others fall somewhere in between. In some places in the United States, life feels almost normal. Now, he says, might we predict a shift in population from lockdown states to open states? According to North American Moving Services, Americans are still on the move at high rates that compare with 2019, despite or perhaps because of all the edicts. Now, listen to this. Here are the top five cities that people are leaving. New York, New York, Anaheim, California, San Diego, California, Chicago, Illinois and Riverside, California. All five of those cities remain in the Even to this day, in stringent lockdowns, indoor dining in California is not permitted and will only be permitted in Chicago starting next week. New York is still in lockdown, despite Andrew Cuomo's call for the city to be reopened. So these are the top five cities people are leaving. Where are people moving to? Well, the top five destinations are Phoenix, Arizona, Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia and Denver, Colorado. Georgia was the first state to reopen following the panicked lockdowns of March 2020. Arizona and Texas opened in July. Now, Jeff Tucker points out here, the point is even clearer when you consider the state's gaining and losing residents. Illinois, New York and New Jersey, all with extreme stringencies, are losing residents faster than any other states. Northeastern states make up four out of the seven states, with California now fourth on the list. They're moving to Idaho, Arizona, Tennessee, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Now, these population shifts have contributed to a dramatic spike in single-family home construction. Oh, my goodness, do we see this? Uh, Not just in the city where I live, but in the neighborhood where I live. Every available space is being built up. And I know there are people who really, uh, you know, just chafe at the idea how dare people come from somewhere else why don't they stay and fix it look if you came here for the purpose of being free bring it bring that attitude bring that love of freedom bring that willingness to uh, to be the kind of person who will support freedom I mean I live in a pretty free state I don't want to I've I've been trying to think of a nice way to say this because I don't want to sound like I'm ungrateful Um, the state of Utah where I live is really a remarkable place in terms of natural beauty. Um, We we have a great deal of freedom here, but we also have a pretty fair amount of collectivist, you know, Republican flavored socialism, um, you know, with a little democratic socialism mixed in as, as well. It's there. And I do find myself from time to time evaluating, okay, and this is primarily based on the lockdown concerns. Would I be willing to move my family somewhere else? Rather than submit to whatever my state officials, you know, seem to think uh, they, they should be inflicting on us in terms of closing down businesses and, and so forth. And I'm not ready to go at this point, but, uh, but I'm telling you, I leave that option open. And I would never look down on somebody for, for leaving that option open. Voting with your feet is a very powerful uh, vote of confidence, depending on where you decide to go. And it's far better than sitting around being farmed like some kind of a, you know, a, a tax vegetable. That, well, well, come on, and give them a squeeze every so often to make sure we're, you know, getting our taxes. Jeff Tucker says, in addition, a Gallup survey reports nearly half of all U.S. adults said they would prefer to live in a small town or rural area in 2020. That's a nine percentage point increase from 2018, when only 39 percent of respondents said the same. Which is to say, we might only have begun to see these shifts as people lose confidence in mayors and governors that thought so little of their people's lives and liberties as to treat them like non-volitional players in an agent-based model. Now, to be sure, Jeff Tucker says there are the the people who are able to grab their laptop and go have the financial means to make the move and the kind of job that can be, be performed remotely. Good for them, but not everyone is in such a position. Some people are stuck where they are, even if their own government shut down their place of employment. The lockdowns have, in fact, massively redistributed both wealth and happiness from the middle class and the poor to the wealthiest, most privileged, precisely as many of us predicted since March of of 2020. Rather, he says, I've called lockdownism the new feudalism. It is interesting, too. And again, harkening back to what I see happening here in my home state of Utah. Um, there is a real estate boom that is going on right now that is absolutely incredible. But the crazy thing about this is, unlike the uh, real estate bubble that existed, oh, I don't know, 12 or so years ago. Remember that one? When it popped, it, uh, it left a lot of people holding the bag because they had taken out loans that they could no longer repay. That's not what's driving this boom. This boom is being driven by people who are showing up cash in hand. I will write you the check right now for the property i mean they they are ready to buy and they have cash to do so now if your first reaction is to feel like well you know do they really deserve to have that kind of money hey unless you earned it it's their money and not yours and you really don't have and you shouldn't have an opinion as to what should be done with it but isn't that interesting those who can afford it are doing their best to get away from the authoritarian areas. By the way, Jeffrey Tucker says there's nothing surprising at all about any of this data. These things were predicted early on. The destructive effects of lockdowns, including mass quarantines, business closures, and an end to public events have been known for a 100 years since they failed so miserably in 1918 when attempted even on a limited scale. That's precisely why public health rejected all these non-pharmaceutical interventions for a full century until somehow some people forgot and attempted them anyway with gravely calamitous results. Now we're seeing dramatic demographic shifts with people who can do so fleeing lockdown cities for anywhere that permits a modicum of freedom. So aside from all these demographic effects, he says one of the worst features of the past year is how it has emboldened governments to believe They can violate the rights and liberties of their citizens, thereby giving rise to a new form of authoritarianism. As well documented in a report that he links to here in this article, which concludes an authoritarian response to a biomedical pandemic is not and never will be a humanitarian solution. So, yes, I will have a link to that in the show notes as well. Again, this is from Jeffrey A. Tucker, Editorial Director for the American Institute for Economic Research. I hope that you are finding information that is, uh, is worthwhile. Um, every one of the information sources that I share with you, in fact, if you want to take some time, if you go to my website, thebryanhideshow.com, there is a page on there called Resources for Wrong Thinkers, and I strongly encourage you, Sign up for emails where you can to get a daily email from these organizations like AIER or the Future of Freedom Foundation or Fee.org. You will have so much good material to help you better understand the world. You know, in addition to whatever you're already studying, it's not like, you know, this has to be your sole, you know, mental nutrition. But I think you'll find uh, this is some pretty substantive fare. I highly recommend it.